Ladies and gentlemen, the season is upon us. Yeah. Um, so even though you can kind of base jump year round in Lauterbrunnen, um, we like to celebrate the start of summer with a party, uh, thrown by Valley Base Gear and supported by the community. Um, it's more commonly known as Free Base Weekend these days. Uh, let's see. So at Free Base Weekend, there were coaching jumps broken down by suit type, experience level. Uh, those uh, those jumps were you know videoed, and then uh, everybody got debriefs on what they did well. Uh, there was some good footage that came out of that, uh, and a lot of a lot of learning occurred. Um, an accuracy comp, uh, evening discussion, trivia. And, and of course, a party at the Valley Base Gear headquarters. Um, the exact dates for next season haven't been determined uh, that I know of. But if you'd like to join us uh, in 2020, uh, go ahead and earmark like May for uh, a trip to the Lauterbrunnen. Um, yeah, stay tuned on here or uh, any of Valley Base Gear's social media. And, uh, and you'll know when the start is. But it's a great time to uh, meet a bunch of jumpers and uh, get a bunch of free information from great people that really care about the sport and care about growing it. Um, so to give you a glimpse into what you may have missed um, and to give you a taste for next year uh, for Free Base Weekend, uh, David Lafargue was cool enough to let us use the audio from his safety talk. Um, the title of the talk is Optimize Your Jumps to Get More Chicks, a base jump safety talk. Uh, so this took place in, on the first evening of Freebase Weekend in the upstairs bar at the Horner. Um, if you have a chance, run over to David's YouTube page and give this video a watch. Um, David put together a great presentation with pictures and videos, so some of the laughter and jokes might not make as much sense on this platform. Uh, but either way, go go check out his page and give that give his uh, video a watch, you know, for us, so that we're not taken away from. Uh, you know, his social media uh, footprint or whatever, maybe. I don't know. Either ways. And there's a bunch of other great videos over there, um, so you won't be disappointed. So there will be a link to David's uh, YouTube page in the show notes. So um, hopefully you guys get something positive out of this. Uh, thank you again to David for sharing his experience and for allowing us to share his talk. Uh, big thanks to everyone that made Freebase Weekend happen. Um, it took a lot of people and, uh, it, it was a lot of work, but a lot of fun. And, uh, not that I would know, I didn't do that much work, but, uh, but thanks to everybody that came out too. you know, all the jumpers that came and, uh, did the jumps, went to the talks, came and partied. It's a lot of fun. It was great meeting a bunch of people. So, um, I only hope it gets bigger and bigger each year. Anyways, uh, that being said, uh, please enjoy the episode and let us know what you think. This is David Lafargue's talk on uh, Optimize Your Jumps to Get More Chicks, a base jump safety talk. Enjoy. Three, two, one, see ya. You're listening to Base Life Podcast with your hosts, Randy and Brian. Tonight I'm going to teach you how to optimize your jumps in order to bang more chicks. Are there many girls best jumpers in the room? Raise your hand, please. Girls best jumpers. One, two, three, four. That's more than what I'm used to, at least in best jumping. (laughs) 
So I am sorry, girls, it's a bit of a male-dominated sport, so I was thinking I was only talking to a male audience. Um, but the advices I'm going to get give you are also applicable to girls. Like, you can optimize your jumps to bang more guys. <laughs> you girls don't really need it since you have options. Like, being a girl in base jumping, it's a bit like being the Smurfet, surrounded by only guys with blue balls. Um, for us guys, it's a little bit different. The truth is, everyone says they best jump because of the old dream of flying like a bird, seeking freedom and rebellion against society, all the random inspirational bullshit, um, Jeb likes talking about death wish. <laughs> but the truth, guys, is that we all best jump for the same reason. Impress chicks at the bar and bang them. <laughs> We have all followed the same pattern, we, uh, pattern sorry, which I called uh, personally a downward spiral. Um, first, you started, you wanted to impress a chick, so you went skydiving. Uh, you started skydiving and you lost your time, your money, and also your girl, because this shit takes time and it's expensive. So you start getting into the skydiving chicks, and there you are losing your time as well, because they are interested in the guys with skills, instructors, free flyers, the cool guys. It's really hard to be a good free flyer, really hard to be a, a good skydiver. It takes some skills and training. You don't want to do that. So you go base jumping because base jumping is simple. It impresses the girls and you just have to jump and pitch that. It is way easier. But then you base jump, you realize that the girls don't care. So you lose your time, you still use your money and you lose your friends because they all keep dying. <laughs> This is how best jumping has influenced my sexual life. So at the beginning of your life, um, you're at high school, really, really high expectation, but no action. Um, sorry for a point accident. Yeah. So high school, high expectation, low action. In college, expectation and reality start meeting. It works pretty well, and it goes up from there. You know, in life, you start getting more action, let's say. So you want more. And then that's when you go for base jumping, you think it's gonna bring you the attention you're seeking. But it's the opposite, you're back to high school. Lot of expectation, no action. Sorry guys, is it better without the mic? Yeah. No. Yeah, maybe the camera though. It doesn't, base jumping hasn't worked really well for me and for nobody actually. So why do we keep jumping? The reality. There's one thing that I call the gambler syndrome. You know when you're at the casino and you keep losing your money and you keep betting because you think at some point it's going to come back and that's exactly what we're doing. Thinking at some point if I get better, you know, they're going to like me. I'm going to get that attention. But they don't. No one cares. Um, there's another reason why we keep doing it that it's fucking fun. <laughs> Let's be honest. We all had a blast today, so... We are basically stuck into that best jumping thing. No one is going to quit. Maybe a few of you. I don't know. So if, we, if we're going to be stuck in best jumping, we have to find a solution to get some more action. So first, I'm going to be talking about the existing methods. Um, existing method number one is be rad. That's what everyone is trying to do. Be rad to get the attention of the girls. And you can achieve radness by terrain flying, low aerials, proximity tracking, get an athlete page. So that's what everyone has been doing, but does it really work? I don't think so. 
<laughs> I've been talking to Brendan Weinstein um, this winter in Brazil. He's the guy, for the ones who don't know him, uh, he's the guy who's been proximity flying on his back. So if hardcore gets you the girl, he should be the one getting them. And I was like, okay, Brendan, are you getting some action? And he said no. He actually was really honest and said, if your goal is pussy, hardcore flying isn't the strategy. So guys, don't try to go hard. Do not try, it's not worth it. If Brendan, Brendan is not getting action, you won't. So girls don't care and you have a shorter life expectancy. The second existing method, and that's the only one that works at the moment, it's to mentor an inexperienced girl. <laughs> I mean, if she, has, if she has like really low number of skydives, it's the best, she's desperate. No one wants to teach her, she'd do anything. You know, like, I, it's okay, forget ethics, all that thing. At some point, you need to get some action. Um, it's really efficient and short term. It works, but you have to think about long term, boys. What happens after mentoring the girl? There are three possibilities. She quits, she dies, or she becomes better than you. If she quits or dies, you lost your investment. If she becomes better than you, she will want to progress, so she's going to bang someone better than you. <laughs> Remember one thing in base jumping, it's not your girlfriend, it's just your turn. <laughs> so, as you can see here, it's too much work, too much work, and it's not sustainable on long term. On top of that, Katie Hansen has been putting some articles online about beware of mentor and warning girls to get this kind of behavior. So it's not working a lot anymore. Girls are aware of what we're doing. Guys, this existing method, they don't work. So I'm going to tell you the one and only method that I've found. First, you have to understand that base jumping won't make you more attractive. So if you're not going to be more attractive, what's the way to see more girls? Be safe. Increase your life expectancy. You will meet more girls, and you will increase your chances of getting late. So tonight, we're going to be speaking about safety. We're going to learn how to optimize the jumps, how to make them safer in order to live longer and bang more chicks. Look at Doug. Doug here, 20 years in the sport, two girls. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe after 10 years I'll get one. <laughs> so, um, I'm not going to be sharing technicalities here. You know, we're not here to do a base course and you're all experienced jumpers uh, here. And now I would like to talk more about uh, decision making um, because this is what matters the most in base jumping. And with the experience, I've built uh, some rules and little tricks, you know, to don't fall into uh, some psychological traps, and that's what I'm going to be sharing with you tonight. The first thing I've learned in base jumping is that you have to actually learn from others. There are two ways of learning in life. It's your own experience or from other people's experience. This is what you do from the beginning of your life. You try to walk, you trip, you fall, and then you learn to walk better. Experience is the result of mistakes, and here we have mistakes that are not forgiving. So you cannot learn from your own experience. You need to learn from other people. Um, how can you learn from other people's mistakes? You have resources on the internet. The first one is the base fatality list. I hope every one of you read it before starting jumping. 
Uh, it's a great source of information, <laughs> but it's not enough. On the BFFL, there are only 350 people. That's a lot when we're talking about friends, but in reality, it's not enough to learn because there are many more mistakes to do, and this is why we made a Facebook group that is called BIRDS, Base Incident Report, Debriefing, and Safety. If you're not on it, I encourage you to go. It's a big private group where we share our mistakes and accidents, and there is a lot to learn, not only from the videos themselves, but also from the comments and the debates that are below. So it's a great source of information, and it's actually really entertaining as well, because I love the carnage videos. <laughs> you can also learn a lot at the bar and the packing area. This is where you share with people, discuss. Um, so don't jump alone, you know, meet people, share experiences, learn from them. And when it comes to learning from people, I want to tell you, don't be arrogant. Some, we all have this thing where we admire the big names in the sport and we think they are the only one who can give some information, but you can learn from everyone. Maybe someone with just a few jumps has experienced something that you don't know about and he can share that experience with you. Also, unskilled jumpers are really, really great source of information. I don't know if you know, uh, guys know this um, TV show yeah. that was airing like 15 years ago, Scrubs. Does it remind something? Yeah, Lance has seen it. <laughs> um, Scrubs, in Scrubs, you have this character. His name is Doug Murphy. He's the worst doctor ever. He keeps killing all his patients all the time. So you think this guy is a lost cause. But actually, the, the day he goes at the morgue, he starts identifying all the body and he's being able to know why the people die because he has made all the mistakes himself. And we have, we have plenty of Doug Murphy in base jumping. People that are doing all the mistakes, learn from them. Yeah, <laughs> we have Aurelien there. <laughs> I wanted to show one of his videos, but then he's not going to be happy, so no. <laughs> so learn from the people, even if they have less jumps. Don't be arrogant, you can learn from absolutely everyone. Another thing that I've learned through the years is to accept criticism. It's really important, maybe don't take the critics from Robbie because they're really rough, you know, they hurt. <laughs> <It's hard. laughs> um, <laughs> when you read the base fatality list, when you read the base fatality list, you learn about the accident itself, but not about the pattern that led to it. There is like, my iceberg is a bit small, but basically what we see is the main problem, but there are multiple factors that are not analyzed. Um, many jumpers were on the wrong path months before the accident. Oops, sorry. They were on the wrong path uh, months before the accident, and we don't talk about this. Um, usually, and it's Unfortunately, for true for most people, but in a lot of fatalities, we could see it coming. Um, we could see it coming because people were warning the jumper, telling him, be careful, you're going too hard or too stupid, and the jumper always answers the same thing. I'm fine, I know what I'm doing, I got it all under control. That's why it's important to listen to others. If people are telling you, that you're becoming sketchy, and if your answer is no, I'm okay, then you already have two things in common with the people who die. And that's not a good sign. It's really important to listen to others because um, your ego stops you from seeing your real self. 
it's a bit like you hear yourself talking every day, and the day you hear yourself on camera, you have a totally different voice, but that's your real voice, and that's exactly the same with your jumping. You think you jump in a certain way, but your ego is hiding the truth from you. You are not as good as you think you are, and you need the view from other people to see your real skills and be aware of them. So if someone comes to you and gives a critique, take it in a positive way. These people are not trying to annoy you, they're actually trying to save you. The guys that tell you, ah, fuck yeah, nice one, buddy, they're not helping. They might be amazing mates to hang out with, but they're not good friends. Um, if you ask an opinion to someone, <coughs> ask really for an opinion, not a confirmation. Don't be defensive. It's really important to be a bit open-minded about uh, what people say to you. And I understand that someone, you, sometimes you can be offended because we all have ego, and it hurts sometimes to hear from other people that you did something wrong, but you have to accept it, you know. Once you build, uh, you listen to criticism, you can build self-awareness, and for me, self-awareness is the most important thing in base jumping. Um, you have to be aware of your level. It's more important than being skilled. Ideally, you are skilled and you are aware of your level, but that's not the case for everyone. If you are unskilled and you don't know you're unskilled, you're fucked. If you are an unskilled jumper, but you're aware you're unskilled, you're going to have a great base jumping career because you're going to stay on safe jumps, you're going to do just what you can do, you will live long and you will have fun. Because a jump, even a flat and stable jump from Brento, is great and fun. So it's really important. Stop talking of performance and skills, but bring self-awareness and try to see what's your real level so you stay with margin. Um, how to know your level? First, you have the opinion from others, as I say. Take the critics of other people. Ask what they think about your jumping and your decisions. But also log your jumps. Um, I know it's a thing to say, I don't log my jumps, you know. I don't care about that stuff. Some people are really proud of it, but I think um, Logbook is a really great tool. First, because you see where you're at in your season. Let's say you want to be tracking an exit and you go back to your logbook from the previous year and you see, oh, I've done that many training jumps before going to that committing exit point. And you're like, oh, now I just did 20. Let's wait two more weeks. It's a great tool. Also, you can write comments, analyze your performances and the differences. So it's a great tool to see your evolution and see where you're at. The other thing that I want to say is to be comfortable with the idea that you not, might be not as good as you were before. And here I put a photo of a friend, the one with uh, the sock on his dick. <laughs> it was our last time together. He died uh, two days later. He pushed um, not hard enough, unfortunately, from a really positive exit, and he smashed in the first ledge. Prior to that, he had spent one year in a wheelchair because of a speed riding accident, and he came back to this jump that he knew already. He had jumped it already a few times, and he was totally okay on it. But his legs, after two years in a wheelchair, starting walking again, they were not the same. So he didn't have the same strength, the same confidence. He was not current anymore. So... This is when I see, like, try to analyze more about what's on the BFL. It's not only a push problem, it's like he was not aware of his new weaknesses. And it's really important to look at which, which level you are and accept the fact that you not, might not be as good as you were before. 
I'm really killing the, the vibe compared to the banging chick pics. <laughs> <laughs> wow, everyone looks so serious. Um, talking about level, I want to talk about um, choosing an exit point. It's really important to choose the right exit point because if you do, you can do pretty much anything. Don't quote me on that, but <laughs> maybe not. Um, I get often this question, people around 100, 150 jumps, they're like, ah, oh, can I do my first gainer, you think? So the answer is going to be different depending on where you are. Of course, if you're in Brento and someone explains you how to do it properly, fucking do it, you know. It's going to be okay. If you're in Moab, never. Not even in 200 jumps, not even in 300. Moab is not a place to learn aerials, for example. And we see a lot of this on high nose, for example. High nose is the exit point where all the beginners go and it's, they can have quick rotations and they get stalked and they jump it every day and they think it's fine, they get used to it and at some point they get a bit enthusiastic and they want to try a thing and I've seen people trying their first gainer on high nose. Guys, it's the shortest rock drop of the valley. And people are like, oh, but I don't really see the ledge, but it's here. Yeah, but when I go flat and stable, I don't see it. It's still here. Read that the numbers. High nose is not a place to try first aerials. I want to show you that video that happened a few years ago to a friend of mine. How do you click play on this? Oh. This is what happens on high nose when you over-rotate a front flip. It becomes a front flip and a half. Sit flying. First ledge. Second ledge. Track, 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 track. One more time? Okay. Brento. Brento is seven hours away. Did you ask him if he got any chicks? <laughs> you know what, Robbie? Since he quit, since he quit best jumping, he's getting all the girls because he's out of this fucking sausage party. <laughs> you wanna bang some chicks? Quit. Um, I hear a lot of people when I show that video, they tell me, oh, but you know, I did my first front flip there and it went well. I hate hearing that. Hate it. It goes well until it goes wrong. Because you survived something once doesn't mean it's going to work every single time. When people do statistics, they need thousands of repetitions to make a reliable statistic, so your personal experience isn't relevant. Because you have what, two, three, four hundred jumps? Thousand? Two thousand? And what, you did five times this jump? This is not a statistic, it's, it means nothing, it means shit. Maybe Sean Schumacher can start making statistics about jumping a bridge. <laughs> but that's it. The rest of you, and me included, means nothing. So don't say it went well, it's okay, and don't push people uh, to do things because it was okay for you. I started best jumping with 90 skydives. I don't recommend it to any of my students. Um, remember one thing is that you don't train 
um, to make a difference on every single jump because base jumping is super easy. 99.9% of the time, it goes really well. It requires no skill. You jump, you pull, it's on heading, you go and land. You are training for the one jump that is not going to work. And it is totally worth training for nothing, a 999 jump, but if the thousands go wrong, it will be the difference, your training will be the difference between drinking a beer at the bar and showing a carnage video or be dead. So train, guys, and go on the right exit. I would like to show you, uh, talk about a fatality. Um, this guy died in 2013. When this happened, I was with his friends in Brento. The guy was jumping a prodigy in Larto Brennan and he was planning to jump his airbird from Brento two days later. He had this trip planned, but for some reason that we cannot ask him anymore, he decided to do a jump with his airbird from Via Ferrata two, years, two days prior to going to Brento and he died on his first jump. Two days before. It's so sad. I was with his friends. They didn't understand this decision. We are in Europe. I can understand when people from other continents, they don't go to the right exit because they jump what they have. But in Europe, you have, even if you're on the furthest part of Europe, you have maximum 12 hours of a bridge or from Brento, so you have no excuse. You have no excuse to not choose the right exit because we have amazing learning tools. We have people with a lot of experience and we have great exits. So please, guys, jump the right exit. And two chicks. And two chicks. But there we have dudes. <laughs> In 20 years, maybe. <laughs> He's old. <laughs> um, normally, when we jump, we all have a plan. I hope everyone does. Um, maybe not. I don't know. If you don't have a plan when you jump, I'm sorry. I can't do anything for you. Um, for me, I have changed something through the years is that my worst performance is my plan A. I'm going to explain what that means. Um, this is how usually how people think. Um, let's talk, for example, about a tracking jump. Good glide. Uh, the plan A of people is to track over the ledge, arrive to the landing, and get some beers. That's their plan A. And after they think, if shit hits the fan, I will have my plan B is to pitch before the ledge. It's a good plan. But... What I've been changing is now I reverse my plans. My plan A is to pull before the ledge, and if I see I can make it, I continue tracking to the landing. So you're going to tell me it's the same thing. Of course, like on paper, it's the same thing, but the way your mind works, it's really different. It's way easier, I think, to take the decision to extend the jump rather than taking the decision to interrupt it. And I have also a few friends in the bias fatality list that they were committed to clear ledge and they died because they were focused on that. Um, and I think if they had thought about it the other way, thinking, okay, I'm going to prove before and if I'm good, I will continue, I think they will still be alive. I have a nice video, carnage video from Brento. It's from a few years ago, not me. Uh, when before people start managed to track to the landing. Now everyone tracks to the landing in Brento, but those were the first attempt with the one-piece suit, and you have this. And it's a great example of someone who's uh, committed to do something. Of course, his plan B was to pitch, but he could totally forget it because he was focused on his track. So I accelerate a bit here. We're going to come back to real speed soon. Do we have some sound on that computer? Yeah. 
because I love the sound of it. You should have pulled air because you can see it's not going to make it to the landing. The landing is there. Trees are becoming big. He lived. He has zero injury. The canopy has no damage. It's actually a tree CA. He threw the pilot tube that got wrapped in branches and pulled the canopy out. Where did you find those? I can't tell you the name of that person, Robbie. Maybe later if you buy me a few beers. <laughs> Here, um, I think that if he had planned the thing uh, the other way around, it would have been okay. Because then you don't get stuck into that thing of trying to get further. So invert your plan A and your plan B. Another thing I've learned is to take into account the presence of the hospital in my job. This is me at 15 years old. <laughs> As you can see, I perform really well. I managed to get all my front teeth inside my head. The x-ray was amazing. I'm so sad I lost it. And I managed to, I tried to reinvent surfing and concrete. It was not a really good idea. Um, it happened here, in the middle of the fucking Pacific Ocean, <coughs> 1,500 kilometers away from the nearest hospital. Long story short, it took me 24 hours to get to the hospital. I, I was actually 14. I had to swim, sail all the night, walk, each hike. to the continent? <laughs> 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 the camera guys are breaking the... Everything. Um, so it took me 24 hours of, uh, of struggle, no painkiller for 24 hours. It's a really unpleasant experience. <laughs> so I remember from that that it's not good to break yourself in places where you have no rescue. And I'm thinking about it because there is a specific example in base jumping, which is Tonsai. Everyone goes to Tonsai after KL Tower, and the same thing happened. People get stuck because they learned how to do aerials in KL and they want to fucking send it in Tomsai because of course you want a photo of your gainer above the beach, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the difference is that if you need to get rescued in Tomsai, it's not going to be the same as getting rescued in Lautobrunnen. If you're in Lautobrunnen, and we've seen it this morning, you get rescued in under 10 minutes. A guy in Gibbelbad <laughs> got rescued in 4 minutes by Air Glacier uh, last month. Um, you're going to be rescued by trained professional with all the gear and experience. They've been rescuing base jumpers for years. You're going to be in a Swiss hospital. You're going to get an early ride to the Swiss hospital in under 10 minutes. In Tonsai, you're going to be rescued by your mates who go and borrow climbing gears to some guys. The waiting time is going to be depending on how many mushrooms they had on the night before. <laughs> and then, once you're rescued from the cliff, if you have an open fracture or something, you still need to swim to get to a boat because the boat can't go directly on the beach. Get an hour of boat, swim again, then get a bus for four hours and then get to a hospital. Or like Dukes did with a guy, like bring him through the jungle or something like this. I think Dukes and Yoshi have some crazy stories about um, crashing in Tonsai. So for me, Tonsai is a place where I want to be extra conservative because I cannot take the risk 
to have an accident there. It's also the same for Zakintos. The only fatality in Zakintos happened outside of the events. You have to know that there is no people on the island capable of rescuing you. When there is an event in, Tonsa, in um, sorry, Zakintos, um, the event organizer comes with some climbers, so we do our own rescues. But the rest of the year, you're alone. This is what happened to this guy, but he was on his last base jump because his wife was pregnant. He hit the cliff, it's just a cliff strike, he was okay, but then the canopy, he stayed hanging for three hours and the canopy fell and he died. I have myself witnessed two, uh, two cliff strikes in uh, Zakintos in 2013. I kept the video. Um, the first one, oh, you can only see the second one. Well, the first one was not really dramatic because the guy was lucky to be on a nice ledge, so we rescued him in half an hour and he was okay. The second one, he was really lucky that he went just below the exit because the ropes were ready so we could get it in under two minutes. He couldn't hold that much. I don't know if you can see how bad it is. But he's basically hanging with a little bit of his foot and his fingers. Yep. Et contrairement à Max, il n'a qu'une très faible prise sur la roche. That's a really de desperate attempt. You're with a canopy, you know, thinking we're going to hold the guy, but that's how desperate we are at this moment. So be careful when you go to a place, think about if shit goes wrong, what's going to happen. You have to include that in your jumping plan. This was the lucky one. That's the lucky one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the last thing I would like to talk about tonight is the hike back. We always have the possibility to hike back, and it's important to be capable of doing it, but also you have to think about are you able to do the hike back. Um, a year and a half ago I was in Moab. Um, Scotty Bob and I go to do a dragon's nest where there is a bit of a climbing section. On our way up we need to meet some people that are walking down. They were not comfortable with the jump, so smart decision, they walked down. The problem is that non, um, they had only one carabiner for three people, one um, descending device, sorry, for three people, and one of them didn't know how to repel down. She had never done it in her life. They send her first because she's inexperienced, and she freaks out, and she stays stuck on the repel for three hours. If it was not for Scotty, like looking at the mountain and realizing people are stuck, they would have frozen during the night. We went up, did a night rescue. As you know, in Moab, it's really warm during the day. You're on a t-shirt, but it, get, it gets freezing as soon as there is the sunset. Um, they had no reception for the phones to call rescue. They had no friends knowing that they were there. They had no more food and they were exhausted. It was minus 15 degrees Celsius that night. I don't know how far they would have made it. So you have to think about how to hike back and if you have the possibility to hike back from a, from a jump. The only fatality that we had on the side with a salamander, black line, and buffalo bill is a guy who tried to hike back and fell to his death. So be always capable, like think about the jump Think about if you can get rescued, think about the hike up, but think about the potential hike back and if you're capable of doing it. Um, I always take, because I had also a bit of a weird adventure in um, uh, two years ago, where in July we went up with uh, shorts, we got a bit wet, and suddenly it became snow. 
and we were stuck on high mountain uh, with snow. We were not capable of going down because the sketchy places had got frozen. So <laughs> we were stuck up there. There were clouds. There was wind. So we couldn't jump. And we couldn't call a chopper because it was too cloudy. So I learned from that, like, always have extra layers of clothes. <laughs> um, extra food and water, if you're going to think, if you think that a banana is enough for your hike, take two, you know. Worst case, you jump it down. Enough water, have an insurance, <coughs> because then you don't hesitate to call a chopper and rescue if you need it. And the last thing I've been doing those years is to take a static line kit with me. If I always, when I do high mountain jumps, come with a static line and something to do an anchor point. That way, if I feel tired after four or five hours of hiking and I feel like I can't make it and the start is a bit demanding, I pull my slider down, I static line and go down on the canopy. It takes almost no space in the pocket. That's pretty much everything for tonight. So. If you have one thing to remember is remember that everybody can make mistakes, which is why you should never stop uh, learning and questioning yourself. Complacency is your worst enemy, so be confident but not arrogant. So when we talk about optimizing a jump, whether it's for banging cheeks or not, everybody thinks about performance and performance, performance, performance. P people want to fly further, faster. They only talk about performance, but for me, an optimal jump is a safe jump. So optimizing should be safety, not performance. If we start promoting safety rather than performance, we will live longer. And not only we will bang more chicks, but we will enjoy all the amazing things that life has to offer. Friendship, love, family, travel, and friendships. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> all right if you want to know more about our guests just check out the show notes and if you want to give us some feedback or reach out to us you can hit us at baselife2014 at gmail.com facebook.com backslash the base life and on instagram we're at base dot life all right thanks